0: Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Kerriger. Well, it sure is great to be back with you folks. We continue on uh, with this series and uh, uh, Joy from Jail. And we're in the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 4. We're over at verse number 10 today. Uh, As always with me is my co-host, my friend Stephanie Wesco. Stephanie, how are you today?
1: So then I'm going to go with rejoicing in the Lord again, since it comes up again in this verse we're covering. (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: I'm I'm glad you're there. You know, rejoicing in the Lord is where we need to be. So I, as I researched the book of Philippians, and we do spend some time researching and studying and reading through things and putting things in, of course, as you would expect. And uh, I came across this old outline that I got from John Phillips, a great theologian. He he wrote uh, a commentary ser- uh, series called the John Phillips Commentary Series. But anyway, he, he gave me this outline a few years back that I preached from. And in the book of Philippians, Paul introduces us to three secrets for triumphant living. And I think this is to live with triumph, to live with joy. And uh, first one is proper theology. He taught us in chapter three, one through 21. And it's important that our theology be proper and that our theology be right, that God's word is taken the way he meant it for us to take it. And that's why it's so important to us that as we study, as we read, as we pray, uh, we put together things that are hermeneutically correct and hermeneutics is uh, matching things exactly how they should be, not uh, saying one thing and preaching something different, but being in the area God intended it to be preached. So number one, proper theology, three, one through 21. Number two, positive thinking, four, one through nine, what we just came out of in Positive thinking is so important, putting things in the right perspective. And what a great example Stephanie gave us on how we should follow the outline there in uh, uh, four eight and 4.7 and 4.9 and follow those outlines. She mentioned 4.9 at the end and to take those things we've learned and received and heard and seen in me do and that God will bring us peace. And, and, and then we get to this point, I think, which is pretty cool and uh, to have perpetual thanksgiving. Now that's a hard thing, Stephanie, perpetual thanksgiving. Giving thanks in all things, but it's an essential characteristic of living that triumphant, or victorious or joyful life. So you gotta put those three things into perspective, proper theology, proper thinking and perpetual thanksgiving. And you know, sometimes, you know, the, the Bible tells us to give thanks in all things. Boy, sometimes it's hard to give thanks, Stephanie. Sometimes it's rough, man. And, uh, you know, Pastor Coles, my dear pastor for many years, I I remember he got stopped by the police and he got a ticket and the policeman came to his door and he got his license and got the registration. It was him and uh, dear Jan, Pastor and Mrs. Coles are just the most wonderful people. Uh, Both entered the 80s now and was my pastor for many years. It's kind of a, he never will retire. Pastor Coles will never retire, but The cop took his license and registration and said, I'm going to give you a ticket for speeding. And he walked away from the car. And Mrs. Coles looked at him and said, in everything give thanks. And you know what Pastor told the whole church? I wanted to belt her. (laughs) But Of course, Pastor Coles has never belted Mrs. Coles, uh, never did anything bad. But you know, sometimes it's hard to give thanks. Sometimes it's hard to give thanks. You know, getting that speeding ticket on the side of the road may have stopped them from being in an accident. Getting that speeding ticket on the side of the road may have stopped them from speeding next time. I used to work with a sergeant major in the Army, and he used to call them uh, fast driving permits. Did you get yourself one of those fast driving permits? So we don't want to get a fast driving permit, but we want to have a perpetual uh, thanksgiving. We want to give thanks all the time. We want to be in a state of giving thanks, of thanking God for things. And, and uh, I think we see here when we get to 410, Stephanie, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again. And here is, you know, right in the church at Philippi, uh, Paul's under arrest and I don't know what his state could be, but obviously they're sending food. They're taking care of them. Uh, uh, the Lord's people in Philippi had probably, you know, had sent financial gifts, I'm sure. And uh, they just continue to take care of him. And uh, Paul never took it for granted what people did for him. And I think as Christians, we have that responsibility. They had a love for Paul, they, they showed that love, they acted out that love and sending people and caring for him and loving him. And, and uh, I think we have a responsibility to be thankful for that, Stephanie. And I, I mean, I know you're a thankful person and what's the responsibility for Thanksgiving?
1: It's a command given to us in Scripture, um, in 1 Thessalonians, where, you know, in the list that talks about praying without ceasing, um, Paul says, in everything, give thanks. Yeah. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, and um, giving thanks isn't always natural. Um, Sometimes it's something we have to say, God, I don't feel like thanking you right now, but I'm choosing to because you've told me to, and I am thankful for you. I am thankful for the fact that you're, tr- that you're true, you know, that you're good. And, um, I think sometimes giving thanks changes our whole outlook on life yeah. and it's a testimony to those around us. Um, it's, um, Emmeline is already a charmer and, um, when I take her to the chiropractor, um, to get adjusted each week, she, um, they have a little bowl of these puffy mints um when when you check out and pay Man, and stuff i love those things um, yeah. <laughs> and um emmeline i'm not sure she goes to get adjusted for the mint definitely that's a bonus to her getting the mint anyways but she always you know i have her ask right and then she always says thank you and the the receptionist is always like, Oh, she's so cute and it's just like her saying thank you melts their hearts. And um it's a testimony, you know, it's a testimony if we say thank you and it's an encouragement to someone, you know, if someone sacrifices for you and you are grateful in response, um, I think it it speaks volumes about who you are. And, absolutely um I'm very thankful growing up my mom trained us to write thank you notes to people and that was something she very much ingrained in us and something I try to do with my kids there are times I still miss thank you notes that we should write and I miss getting those written but that's my goal is to get thank you notes written to people um, when they when they sacrifice for us or give my kids something and um, there's times my kids are like oh mom and i and it's it's a teaching process you know it's our responsibilities parents to teach our children to be thankful because it isn't a normal natural human you know we're selfish our human response is selfish and so being thankful is something that you know it, it's something that we have to have the holy spirit of god working in us to help us to be truly grateful and um I think as we develop in our walk with the Lord and develop that grateful spirit, the outflow of that is wanting to, to help others and serve others. I think there's a great correlation that when you are grateful for what others have done for you, you want to do something to share God's goodness with someone else.
0: Yeah, no, I think and you're right. It's, it's important.
1: hmm it's vital.
0: It, it is, and, and you um, know, I, I know I feel special when somebody thanks me for something. And, and you know, God especially gives us breath. I mean, we can't even uh, breathe without him letting us breathe. We, uh, we can't yeah. do anything without God. And here's, here's Paul talking about this perpetual state of thanksgiving. And, and it goes from your the guy you write a thank you card to or the gal, uh, all the way up to God. And, yeah. uh, you know, that perpetual state of Thanksgiving, and I, I think we get another little look at it here, Stephanie, in the, in the big, second part of, uh, verse 410 here, it says, you were also careful, but she lacked opportunity. So he's telling the Philippian people, he's thanking them for what they did, but he's saying, man, I get it. You had to be careful. You know, there's no U S postal service in Rome, even though they, they had roads like nobody else in the world did. They have transportation on those roads, horse, and uh, they had, you know, carriages and camels, whatnot, and uh, it was was the talk of the entire world, their transportation because of the roads, because of the shipping, because of the boating, but even in that, there wasn't a post office, and certainly under Nero's uh, leadership in Kingdom, you didn't want to send Paul uh, a few bucks to buy lunch with, You didn't want your return address on that envelope. There had to be the right time to take this over. You didn't want word. You know, today it's no big thing to get registered mail or send letters. I I think Stephanie sends more mail than anybody I know, but you, you had to be careful and you lacked opportunity. But when the opportunity came, And uh, you should give thanks when that opportunity comes And I don't think we need to beat that up. I think we need to go to the next one here. But I think what Stephanie said, it still rings true here, is when that opportunity comes, her mom taught her to write thank you notes and thank you letters. And and I think she's right because I want to give to somebody who's thankful. And there's nothing better, by the way, than making Emmy thankful. If you buy Emmy a dolly, man, you are in a good place with Emmy for... 24 to 72 hours i just want to point that out but uh, here we are you speak
1: from experience
0: i do i do i do and she deserves those dollies but here we are in uh, in chapter four at the beginning of 11 and i want to stop right there at that first sentence it says not that i speak in respect of want and uh, that word what, you know, in the Greek, that word only shows up twice. It shows up in Mark 12:44, and uh, uh, you know, when the Lord was sitting at the treasury and stuff, and it goes on about that widow who gave up their might. Uh, she gave all she had, so it's still talking about that same thing. And uh, you know, she abro- approached the box for the Lord, and, and she gave everything. You know. God, when you give everything, you can do everything. You can make a difference. So he said, I'm not speaking in respect of want. And that's one thing as missionaries, I think, Stephanie, that we try to portray to people. This isn't about want. This is, uh, uh, we're just saying thank you. You made a difference in our life. Uh You know, God can use uh, a myriad of people to make a difference in our life, but he chose you. And, and you obeyed, the opportunity came and you obeyed. I mean, is that how you're seeing it there?
1: Yes, I think, um, you know, this is missionaries, at least from our my perspective from when we were in deputation, um, missionaries learn to be content. They learn to be content with whatever God's given them, and they learn to be grateful. And um, I think Paul here is saying, you um, you know, it's not that I'm have a you know a whole list of things um, that um, I'm wanting from you or whatever. Yeah. It's not that I'm trying to make you think that. Um, he's just wanting them to know, you know, that he knows they care for him, and even if they haven't been able to, you know, provide the way they would have liked, he knows that they care for him, and he wants them to know how much he appreciates that.
0: Yeah, it made a difference in his life. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Paul's not begging. He's not, you know, he's not going to begging for more. He's just saying, listen, you didn't let me down. You know, I, I haven't arrived at that point, uh, but but you there you are taking care of me. And, and uh, you know, taking care of people is so significant, and allowing the Lord to use you to do that. And, and friends, let me tell you, I know a lot of you hear my voice, support missions and your pastor and things of that nature. That does not go without notice for God. And that never goes without notice from the people you're helping. You can completely change someone's day. You can completely change someone's life. Stephanie shared a testimony with me yesterday. We won't bring it up. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But when she was in a real down place, a good friend showed up and just gave to a want. You know, we have these things and when I was in the Army, I learned how to be an Army recruiter. And one of the things they teach you, Stephanie, is how to understand that people have need, wants and desires. Needs are what you, uh, you know, that's what you need to live. You need food, you need clothes, you need a roof over your head, whatever the case may be. But then there's people also have wants. They want to be better, they want to go to college. They, uh, you know, those types of things. And then those desires are, I want to make a good living. I want to take care of my family, you know, those long-term things. So as a recruiter, we would ask these open-ended questions. So so what do you want to be when you grow up? And we would try to show how the Army could take care of that, what do you want to be when you grow up? And how how it could fulfill those needs. Well, someday I'd like to graduate from college, but I'm broke. Well, that's great news, Stephanie. The Army loves broke people. As a matter of fact, we put together a program to take a broke person and put them through college, and all, all you got to do is—I mean, that's how we worked. And uh, but anyway, let's move on to the end of this first. In other words, wanna...
1: you learned how to be a good salesman.
0: You did because you wanted to find people's needs, wants, and desires. Because you—that's right. You know, once you find their needs, wants, and desires, man, you can change the world. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and and that's that's really a big difference. And, but let's look at the end of this verse and try to put it in uh, uh, together. It says, but I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. So how do we learn that? How do we learn whatever state we're in to be happy, to be content? How do we learn that, Stephanie?
1: Oh, well, of course you give me a very loaded question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think... Learning to be content has to do with a lot of surrender, and um,
0: we got some thunder going think. on, but don't worry about it. I'm all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it has a lot to do with surrender. I don't think you can learn to be content in whatsoever state you're in without surrender, and um, yeah. just you know being in a position now where um, I'm a single mom to eight kids. That is not a state. That I ever dreamed I would be in, that I ever would have wanted to be in, that I ever still would choose to be in. Yeah. But it's the state God has me in right now. And so this verse is often convicting to me when I get very discontent internally with God, this load is really heavy. And, you know, I don't. I don't care for this role and then God says but this is where I have you and can you be content where I have you and um, and so then there comes it comes back to this life isn't about me and it's okay to go to the Lord with those desires and those needs uh, what I view would view as a need or a want and give those to God And then in the end, say, but God, I'll be content where you have me. And so you have to always come back to, am I surrendered to what God has for me and where he has me right now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that contentment
1: and surrender are kind of like a hand in glove. They go together.
0: You know what helped me when, when I was in college, one of the words that I had to deal with, we would, you know, so, um, In my college, English literature one and two was like your freshman year at college and you would uh, you would have to write papers. You would have to study English literature and things of that nature. I loved American literature, but I remember that I dealt with the word content. It was a poem on contentment. And one of the things I had never looked up before. Do you know the opposite of being content is being bitter? Mm. So they're twin brothers, man. Uh, and You don't want to be, you don't want to have one of the brothers hanging out with you. You know, uh, let's be honest. You'd much rather hang out with somebody who's content or, or, you know, in in a peaceful Mm -hmm. happiness is how I've always thought it to be, uh, than somebody who's Mm -hmm. bitter.
1: Well, because that that kind of bitterness, I would say that's where you're bitter towards God. Yeah. And if you're bitter towards God, then that's going to destroy every other
0: literally every other realm of your life and yeah. yeah yeah but then bringing this but think about this Stephanie this is the weird thing right it, it Paul is chained to somebody and yeah. he's saying I've learned that whatever state I am there with to be content and yeah you know so if Paul can be content being chained to somebody I can be content with an old immortal car or I can be content <laughs> with uh the house I live in, or I could be content. You know, we could go
1: With on. A spine that hurt, Tom. Huh?
0: Yeah, and spinal pain, and and boy, this is the house of pain. And uh, actually, Stephanie's in Indiana, but when she was here, this place is my wife Debbie is uh, suffering from pain and the things she went through, and and uh, but you know what? We need, we're saved. We've got a good life. You know, I've got the sous vide right now heating up some New York strips to 134 degrees. Oh, my goodness. There's going to be salad. There's going to be, you know, grilled steaks just with that char grill on top. And, uh, man, life is going to be good. But I've learned, I've learned what Paul says, that whatever state I am there with to be content. We're not going to beat that up. But, friends, if you can grasp this, if you can grab a hold of this idea of perpetual Thanksgiving, If you can grab this idea of being content with the great things in your life, if you think about life, if you look at a divorce rate of right around 50%, maybe just a hair less, and uh, it's a contentment, it's a pride issue. It's wanting something different. If you look at these people who take in a perfectly good one-year-old car and buy another car, uh, that's a contentment issue. That's, you know, if you got the money good for you, are you helping the economy? Sure. But I'm saying that there's a place where you can find contentment and that place is in the arms of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That place is in in trusting in his words and, uh, uh you know, we, we saw it, didn't we see that where uh, in, the, in Romans 12, we go back to that. And I know we did a whole uh, week of sessions, I think, on Romans chapter 12, maybe two. But you look at Romans be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, in verse 2 there, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You know what the problem is with contentment? I mean, I'm just taking a swag here. I'm not picking at anybody. I realize the audience is hurting and there's things going on in our lives and we know people who are hurting. We're trying to go to a good place. But I really think a lot of contentment issues or being bitter, comes from this root of not conforming uh, to Christ. I mean, do you agree with that, Mm. Stephanie?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think there's also, the contentment also comes from, there's a contentment that God gives you when you're doing what he has for you to do. And if you're living your life trying to find your fulfillment and satisfaction and whatever in things of this world, you're not gonna be satisfied you're never gonna have real contentment and um, you know if, if you if you think that being in control is gonna give you contentment you're always gonna have to find something new to control or someone new to control because you're never gonna be contentment content there there's that Satan's counterfeit Satan has so many counterfeits for real contentment and real joy and joy and contentment are hooked together and I have watched people, I have observed people who are neither content or filled with joy, and those people have very, you know, those two things are interrelated. Those people have no real joy in their lives, and they are also never content at, with
0: no and the knuckleheads. material things. Yeah. yeah and
1: normally those people are the people that are either um, – trying to control other people because that's how they try to find their fulfillment. I mean, I think of I think of Ahab and Jezebel and how Ahab like Jezebel was a control freak and that was like the only way she found her fulfillment in life was controlling other people and um, you know, she always had to be on top of the stack. And then you had Ahab who was never content and when he didn't get his way with the vineyard, he goes and pouts in his room and um You know, we have that whole story and prime examples of people that didn't have a clue what joy was and they were never content. Those two go together and vice versa. If you're content, that means you're walking with the Lord. You're filled with his joy. And it means you're doing what he wants you to do with your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I and you know what? These people who aren't content, just finishing up and wrapping up what uh, Stephanie so aptly said here, if you find yourself in a state of bitterness, it's hard to get out. You got to dig your way up with God. And, you know, yeah. listen, I was uh, born and raised in, in in poverty, pretty much. My father bailed out on us. We, we lived uh, week to week or day to day. Sometimes we went days without eating well. Uh, I know what that's like. I remember that when my father left us and Took mom. Mom started working two jobs because she said, "We're not going to live like this. I'll pay all the bills." She worked second and third shift mill jobs. But you know what? She was content that her kids ate. She was content uh, that her kids were going to school. And and uh, you know, we should be content knowing for sure that we're saved, except in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, folks, in closing. Be content. Don't be bitter. Don't be that guy or that gal that just drives you crazy, that find the bad in everything. Find the good in stuff. Esteem others higher than yourself. Mm -hmm. Be in a place where you can be in jail, man, with chains wrapped around you. But because God loves you, because God saved you, you find yourself content. Be in that place. That's where we all want to go. I got to tell you what an honor it is to have this 124th podcast and uh, be content. I believe God can use this, use it in all of our lives. Make sure you look us up. Helpful Wounded Spirits are on our personal page. We'd love to hear from you. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.